Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week's Screen Verdict Podcast, we're going to be reviewing the five-year engagement. Yes, now uh, before we start, Jonathan, um, I've got some uh, some old donuts here. F- uh, feel free to have them, but we will be, I'll be adding some new donuts at the end of the podcast. So if you'd, you'd rather wait for the fresh ones... Interesting thing is you're the one liable to be eating on the podcast. <laughs> I think I can contain myself. Uh, we'll see if you can make it through. For those that haven't seen the film, <laughs> won't have understood the opening. No, but, yeah. Five-year engagement. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a movie, and we're going to be talking about it. What's, what is it about, Matt? Okay, well, we've got with a five-year engagement. We've got a couple, okay, um, and they have been going out for a year. They get engaged, and it's a fairly lengthy engagement, <laughs> uh, the movie, and it, it, it chronicles, I guess, that engagement. I think it's five years. <laughs> the title's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> you just go, well, they've been together X amount of time in the film so far. I guess they're not going to be getting married yet. Mm. And the, the film probably has one of two endings. Mm. Either they get married or they don't at the end of that five years. Yes. So if you like flipping coins, mm. could be interested in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although clearly one side of the coin has a much higher coin. I would not put a lot of money on a coin toss uh, <laughs> over the result of this movie. <laughs> so the man and woman in question are Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt. Yes, two actors. Pretty heavy leads in this film, seeing as it's pretty much solely what the film is about, their relationship, their engagement. Yeah, I saw a trailer the other day for this movie where it's like, they've got the worst best man. They've got the worst in-laws. You know, will it work? And I'm really thinking, like, from having watched the movie, like, it's really not about the best man or the in-laws or about any... Like, it is just about these two people. Like, yeah. it's not... The, the Really, the only thing getting in the way of them getting married is each other. <laughs> the movie is these two people. It's not Bridesmaids, which is an ensemble sort of piece. Now, this was produced by Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah, I think we've seen this name before in credits of movies. Yes, he, uh, he's written and directed a few films of his own, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Funny People, and he also produces a lot of films, mm. a lot of these sort of uh, bro comedies, I guess you call them, a lot of these guys like Jason Siegel and Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, they're all kind of friends, they all make movies together. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it started with the Jabba Apatow shows, Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, mm. made some friends with uh, yeah. James Franco and Seth Rogen and kept them about. Mm. So this is sort of the next in the line of uh, Apatow Productions. Mm. Uh, are you a fan of those kinds of films, Matt? I'll be honest, not really. I've, I've never really been on the Judd Apatow bandwagon. I feel like his films are not that funny generally. Um, I'm sick of the same actors appearing in all of them. <laughs> uh, things like that. A couple of exceptions... I thought I loved Forty Year Old Virgin. I thought that was really, really funny and a really good film. And I quite liked Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I quite like these films. I think you get what you expect from them. They they have just sort of enough depth to keep you going throughout the sort of silly childish humour that 
usually brings you enough laughs to warrant watching the film. Well, I, I disagree. I, <laughs> I actually think a lot of these movies I've seen, I go, it was sort of funny, but I was not laughing. Like, it, it seems I need to wait. Like, Knocked Up had some funny stuff in it. But, like, you had to wait every 20 minutes for the next funny bit <laughs> in the movie. There's, like, just 19 minutes of, like, just drama relationship stuff, and then you got a really funny scene every 20 minutes. Yeah, I would agree they can be a bit hit or miss, but I think some of the films are pretty good, like Anchorman, Pineapple Express, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think the better ones are very enjoyable in films, I'd say, that I like. Anchorman is a great film. That's really funny. I, I just never had associated that with Judd Apatow before, so... Don't don't think I don't like Anchorman, please. <laughs> uh, there is one in particular uh, we should compare it to Forgetting Sarah Marshall because mm. that was written by Jason Siegel, directed by Nicholas Stoller, who is back in this film. It's a yeah. five-year engagement directed by Nicholas Stoller, co-written with Jason Siegel. Mm. So I think Forgetting Sarah Marshall was one of the better Apatow films. So I guess the bar was set relatively high amongst the Apatow chain for five-year engagement. Yes, yeah, so, like, Apatow isn't someone that I'll go see a film for. Uh, I, I don't love him and his films. But uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall was one of the, his better ones. So, with Jason Segel back back uh, at the writer's desk, maybe it was worth coming back for. So, let's get to Brass Tacks. <laughs> what did you like about the film, Jonathan? What was, what was good about the five-year engagement? First, I'd just like to ask, like, what is, like, the brass tax? Is that, like, is it the carbon tax? Is it controversial? Is that what, is it we need to get to the meaty, important, opinionated <laughs> issue? It, it, I think it's synonymous with bottom line. I know. I just yeah. want to establish the reason. <laughs> the history, the origin of the phrase brass tax. Okay, this is interesting. It's tax. It's tax. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently brass tax is spelled tax, T-A-C-K-S. Yeah. T-A-X. That's, uh, that's crazy. Um, I kind of feel stupid for not knowing that. I bet you feel a little more stupid because you're the one that actually used the phrase. <laughs> it's well, not something I say myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... The second uh, thing when I typed in brass tacks on Google, the second thing did say, get down a brass tacks. And it seems like this has become somewhat like a misspelling that has b- become quite passed down sort of thing. Like it seems like it has sort of become its own sort of expression in one sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so brass tax, tax, <laughs> not a tax. Yeah. Uh, although it does sound exactly the same when you say it, so I'm not <laughs> sure if that helps people. So there you go. Uh, Screen Verdict Podcast, you learn things. It's not just not just fun, not just fun and games, you, you learn things. And we need to do a, a segment of what Blank taught us, what the Screen Verdict taught us, what we learned on our own podcast. Be too big a segment. <laughs> too big a segment. Okay. Getting down to the nitty gritty, Jonathan, what are some things you liked about this movie? I like Jason Siegel. I think he's pretty funny. I liked him in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think he was probably the best thing about the Muppets, which I thought was okay. <laughs> I'll probably go see a film that he's in. He did sort of play a character that you were used to seeing, I suppose, from mm. him. 
Yeah. I guess he was a little bit more mature in this film, a bit less of a man-child than, than yeah. he normally is, but still pretty Jason Segel-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess he brought what I expected. He was he was quite funny. He was quite entertaining. Yes. Now, we obviously saw him in The Muppets. He decided to do a movie without puppets uh, <laughs> at all, although there was a sneaky Sesame Street reference uh, thrown in towards, towards the end of the movie. <laughs> Because uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall is quite a big. It puppet. wasn't that sneaky. It was fairly overt and long. <laughs> well, look for Jason Seal. That's a sneaky Muppet reference <laughs> because the last movie he did, there were there were like there were Muppets in every scene, and in the other in the there's forgetting Sarah Marshall, there is like literally a twenty minute like puppet scene like <laughs> in there with Muppet like puppets. Like this is the most subtle he's ever been at introducing puppets or or a reference to Sesame Street or the Muppets. Like this is the most subtle he can be with puppets, I feel. Get two actors to do a good ten minute puppet impersonation. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. you brought me round, Matt. Yeah. It was so subtle. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, interesting to see him without puppets in a movie. Yeah, I think it, it, he did okay without the puppets helping him out. I was interested to see Emily Blunt in a comedy. I'd only seen her in a couple of things, uh, the Adjustment Bureau being one of them. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was a good actress, but I hadn't seen her show her comedic talents. I thought she was fine in this. I believed her performance. I think she was a good actress. But she didn't really have that many funny parts. It's not that she was unfunny. Yeah. I just thought all the jokes were fairly straight down the line. And I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I'm not disagreeing with you. She yeah. is remarkably attractive, though. Yeah, now, I, I've heard a story from you that you've actually gotten to see Emily Blunt in the flesh. Um, <laughs> she's very close, too. <laughs> but uh, I think... Well, like, fill us in on what this story is. Okay. So I can verify Emily Blunt's attractiveness in real life, uh, not just the movie magic and yeah, uh, airbrush versions camera you, angles, you plebeians yeah. might have seen. I've seen yeah. the real thing. Yeah. Recently, about two months ago, uh, in a bar, and we're not going to mention it because we, we don't give out just free advertisements here <laughs> on the though, but uh, a place in, in Surrey Hills in, uh, in the city, uh, one of my friends walks up to a girl and he says, Hi, I'm Nick. And she goes, Hi, I'm Emily. And he's kind of, yeah, hanging around. And he comes over to me and says, Does this girl look familiar to you? I look at her. I was like, That's Emily Blunt. And he's like, She said her name was Emily. And I'm like, That's Emily. Like, the movie, like, the, like, she's married to Jim from The Office. Yeah. She has a baby. Yeah. He's like, Oh, that'll probably, like, hinder my chances then, hey. I'm like, Yeah, but it's Emily Blunt. How cool is that? Yeah. Okay, um, I like I believe you. I, no, I, I honestly do, but I, I do need to play the voice of the listeners. I think when you're telling the story, uh, yeah, be, because you know they, they, there's probably questions they have for you. One would be, how much did you drink before you saw Emily Blunt in this bar? Myself, not much. Okay, okay. So you were fair. My friend with- might have had a few to have the confidence to introduce himself to Emily Blunt. You're, you're but me myself. You're the one who much. identified her as Emily Blunt. Yeah. So it's your sobriety that, <laughs> that I'm most interested in. Did you get a good look at her? Were you like how like you you were close to her? How close were you to Emily Blunt? We did stare a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she was in sort of like a group of people. She looked kind of cool. Like she had a bit of an entourage, like a few friends okay. following mm-hmm. around and. Yeah. She was only kind of there for not that long, kind of a group came in and the group left. 
Uh, I was probably at my closest, probably a meter and a half away. Okay, that's pretty close. So this actually sounds like this story to the listeners seems to check out. <laughs> this seems to be a legit, a legit meeting, which I never doubted. I never doubted uh, your sincerity, but I'm sure the people listening they don't know you as well as I do. And, and yeah, what, what is she doing in Surrey Hills? Like. Uh, I bet that what's uh, John Krasinski is asking. <laughs> yeah, if John Krasinski's listening uh, to this podcast uh, from the office, it's going, I don't think my wife was in Surrey Hills. <laughs> what is she doing in Sydney? <laughs> she, she was in London. <laughs> I'm stuck here with the baby and she's talking to dudes called Nick in Australia. Yeah, if, if, if John, you're listening... Talk to your wife about. I'm sure it's a good explanation. Like we don't want to break up any marriages on the screen <laughs> verdict, especially celebrity marriages. Yeah, I think that would probably help our publicity, though. Like, can you imagine on like E tonight, Aussie podcast screen verdict <laughs> breaks up Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Yeah, the the one Hollywood couple we thought would last. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we feel like we've gotten a bit sidetracked, but you know. No, it's not every every year you get to see Emily Blunt in person. I think it was worth worth discussing. So getting back to the film. Oh yeah, there's a movie she's in. Yeah, we. <laughs> what are some things that you may have enjoyed about the film that? I I, I thought it was like Emily Blunt's a good actress, and um, Jason Siegel is not a bad actor. Also, I think I, I liked a couple of the supporting people. Um, we we had Chris Pratt. From Parks and Recreation, who plays Andy from Parks yep, and Rec, plays Jason Siegel's best friend, and I think he's he's really funny. This guy, like he, he's a great. He was he was even funny in Moneyball. Like he's a he's a funny actor. And there's also um, Campbell's wife from Mad Men, uh, Alison Brie. Yeah, also on Community. Yeah, yep. playing a British person. So that's a bit of fun. <laughs> um, Jason Siegel in this movie works in a restaurant, right? And we've got, like, um, like obviously they're trying to get on the, probably the cooking reality shows bandwagons or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. People like cooking these days. <laughs> so he's working in a restaurant, and that's sort of um, interesting. Is it? <laughs> no, not really. No, not really. <laughs> I feel like when they were writing that, though, they thought it would be interesting. Like, oh, we'll put him in a restaurant. That'll be interesting. Topical. Hmm. I don't really watch the shows, though. I do agree that some of the supporting characters were good. I like Chris Pratt. I think this might be, like, the fifth podcast in a row that we mentioned him, but Chris Parnell. <laughs> yeah, he's back. <laughs> he's back. Uh, knitting sweaters. I thought that yeah. was quite funny. Yeah, no, he's funny. Uh, we had Mindy Kaling, is it? Oh, yeah, office? from The Office. Yeah, She was quite good. The um, tall bearded guy in the sandwich shop. He's kind of one of those that guys. Like, he's okay. not quite famous enough to know the actual actor's name, but I, you see him in stuff. I, I'll tell people what he's from. He was the mailroom guy from Just Shoot Me. <laughs> that old show. I'm not sure if that's where I was trying to pick him from, but yeah. he's a that guy. So I would have liked to see a bit more of these characters, because it quite heavily focused on the main relationship, and some of these funny side characters didn't really get that much screen time. Yeah, I agree. Which leads me into something that I wanted to talk about, perhaps going into our dislike section Whoa. Okay. of the film. Let's hit it up. Jackie Weaver, mm. Australian actress. She was in Animal Kingdom. Got an Oscar nomination. Heard her on the radio the other day. 
this is sort of like her time. She's finally sort of broken into the mainstream wide awareness. And so she was picking like a film to do. And she was like, I don't want to get typecast as the crazy girl there. I want to do something different. I want to do a comedy. It's like five year engagement with Jason Segel. Like that sounds pretty good. And she was talking for ages about how much fun they had on the set, all the crazy amount of takes they did and all the, the really dirty jokes, embarrassing stuff that she did. that will probably be in the DVD extras. And I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this. Yeah. Mm. Like Oscar nominated actress. She says there's all this stuff. She's in like three scenes. She has like 10 lines in the whole movie. Like, yeah. I don't know if they had lots of material and it just got cut. Mm. I mean, yeah, you don't have much to work with in an 124-minute runtime. <laughs> but yeah. she was barely in the movie. Yeah, it, it, it was a very long movie um, that really didn't make the best use of its supporting cast. I'd say that's probably the biggest problem with the movie, that they had such good talent in those supporting roles and they really didn't use them. And you can't blame screen time. Very interesting. Uh, I guess when you're writing a movie for yourself, you give yourself a lot of the screen time. <laughs> Is that... Do you think what happened here? It could be. Yeah. My main problem was with the film was there were no subplots. There really just is yeah. one plot. It's basically... Will they, won't they? And I'm not going to say whether they do. What about... But the whole time I was like, they will. Therefore, if I only have one story to be interested in for a whole film and I think I know the ending, it's not going to hold my interest for 124 minutes. Yeah, I'd agree. This is definitely, um, we call it, they've not followed the return of Jafar rule (laughs) um, and that has hurt them. (laughs) Uh, The return of Jafar rule, that movie was 66 minutes. And Perfect we, length. We like that because it really, they didn't have, like, it was a 66-minute story <laughs> they had. Uh, and, you know, this movie had probably about a... 66-minute story. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but it's a theatrical release, so obviously you've got to make it a bit longer. But, like, really 80, 85 minutes, I would say, would be what we're looking at for this movie. I think part of that was too much content, and part of it was editing, I found something yeah. a bit strange about okay, the timing yeah. in this film. Yeah, that's what we threw up. There were funny jokes in the film, funny scenes, but it kind of seemed to linger on a bit too long. Like, it wasn't like joke, punch, like a punchy joke and move on. It was kind of like something was funny, but then I'd kind of be left not that particularly satisfied for or feeling humorous or laughing because it would go on a bit long. Mm. So I wasn't sure if that was the writing or the actor's sort of delivery everything was taking too long was a bit punchy it was was the editing whether they could have cut the scenes a little bit shorter a bit of family guy syndrome just dragging things on a bit longer (laughs) than they need to be something else about this movie is it just seems like for so much of the film jason siegel's character is sad like he's got a bit of a case of the kermits like he's pretty much kermit the frog from the muppets who the whole movie's like, oh, it's so sad, we're not all together again, like, we're all broken up and we're not happy and we're not where we thought we'd be 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> like, that's sort of like Jason Siegel in this movie, like, oh, like, oh, things aren't going well, my life isn't where I thought it would be. Like, it, it really is the exact same character. Uh, he wrote both of these movies. I feel like, is Jason Siegel really sad and... Like, it seems like his movies are so angsty. And they're meant to be fun comedy movies. You know, it seems like some of the comedy writers have a tendency to go, 
too sad or too serious in an attempt to be respectable or considered proper serious artists. Like, things like Anchorman Superbad were just kind of really silly, childish, over-the-top humour and was kind of funny. Then we get things like the second half of Knocked Up and Funny People that actually just get really dry and sad and depressing and aren't really that interesting or funny anymore, I think, in an attempt to be serious. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think Jason Siegel, I think, needs a hug. <laughs> Give him a hug. He seems like a pretty huggable guy. Yeah. It was an interesting movie to uh, sing a movie about such a long engagement because I've, I, I've, I've had friends that have been engaged or that are engaged, and like, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. Um, I, I had you, you and me had a friend uh, who was engaged for two years, which is quite quite. I know it looks small compared to five, but still a pretty pretty long engagement. Um, and then um, we've got uh, I've got a, 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 some friends who are current just gotten engaged about a week ago. Well, and yeah, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. They, they just got engaged, and the wedding is I think October twenty this year. Now, again, there are extremes. Like, you know, two years is not that unreasonable, like, obviously, compared to five years or ten years, but, but you know, a Jim Pam situation where the wedding <laughs> just kept, keeps on getting kicked down the down the road. And, obviously, there are shotgun weddings that happen a lot quicker than six months. But these seem like two, a, a fairly short one and a fairly long one. Uh, so it's interesting to have seen, like, actually, you know, I can relate to sort of being in bridal parties and things when these things have drawn on and things. For me, the issue is not really how long the engagement is. Mm. If you're together for five years, get engaged and then get married in six months. Yes. That makes more sense to me than being together for six months than having a two-year engagement and then getting married. What makes even less sense is getting engaged after less than six months and getting married again for less than six months. If 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 you've been together a year... You should not be marrying someone. Unless you're really old and you well, have no time. This guy with the six-month engagement, I think they met each other about a year ago. <laughs> so, yeah, we've all got our fingers crossed for that one. Like, <laughs> shooting out some prayers there. No, they're very, they seem very much in love and, and everything. And, you know, um, Pity it won't last. <laughs> I, I did it. Here's my tip to the listeners. Here's my tip. Don't rush into things. Like, be careful. If you, you, you carefully... Lay a foundation; it will probably be sturdier. I I agree with that. Yeah. Sorry, state of affairs that I'm now giving relationship advice to people. <laughs> so, but anyway, the thing with the one that was two years and they'd gone out, they were very they were people who planned a lot. This is when we graduate from university. I want to be married for when I graduate. We'll set the wedding date for around that. Like it was there was there was method to the madness, other than Jason Siegel, <laughs> Emily Blunt, who were just sort of like. Oh, let's get married next year. Oh, we've got a job promotion again. Let's kick it along for a bit longer and things like that. This is where you get a call up from your, like, friends or a <laughs> wife and go, you refer to our engagement as madness on the podcast? <laughs> I feel like the other couple would have you more You just go, no, method to the madness. It's an expression. I don't even know what it means. I didn't know what brass tax meant. <laughs> don't take me so literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> This other couple is getting married. I've, I've been asked to MC, MC the where the reception. So that'll be that'll be a bit of fun. Maybe make some jokes about how little they know each other. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Well, let's get to our favourite segment. What Blank has taught us this week. 
what the five-year engagement has taught us. Jonathan, what has the five-year engagement taught you? Well, Matt, the five-year engagement has taught me that Jason Siegel does not look good with facial hair. Now, this is a bit of a thing for me. Um, I'm a, a bit of a beard guy. I like beards. I can't grow good facial hair myself. It depresses me to no end. Yeah. But I'm kind of taking solace in the fact that Jason Siegel, even though he can grow hair, it might not even have been real. I don't know. I think, it, I don't know. But he can't do it either. He, that is just not good facial hair. That lamb, mutton, chop, patchy, it was creepy and I didn't like it. And I wanted it off the movie. Yeah. And so, Matt, what has the five-year engagement taught you? Well, I um, we learned a bit about psychoanalysis uh, in our A Dangerous Method podcast, but in some ways I learned a bit more from this film about <laughs> psychoanalysis. Um, I had no idea that eating, like, old food was that was left out was uh, so revealing about your emotional state and, and your preparedness to get married and things like that. <laughs> because I'm going to be honest. If there's a box of old donuts out, I'm going to have an old donut. I, I should probably explain. In the movie, she's working in a university. Emily Blunt's working in a university. She comes up with an experiment, a test they can do, because it's, I don't know, psych- psychology or sociology or something like that, where they leave out a thing of donuts, um, and then they tell the people that there'll be a new thing of donuts coming later, and then they see... They see if people so, eat the stale donuts and can't wait for the new ones in 20 minutes. Yes, I, like, I did not, like, I'm someone who probably would eat the stale donuts, <laughs> like, well, at least have a bit of it to see, well, she said it was a bit stale, but she could be wrong, she probably hasn't eaten them, like, she doesn't look like the kind of person who eats donuts, so, like, I might just try a bit and see if they taste good. If they taste good, why stop eating them? <laughs> yeah, this does scare me, put me off the idea of going out with someone who is a, in the psychology field. I feel like they'll be constantly overanalyzing everything yeah. I do. Oh, you ate the stale donut. That means you have commitment issues. Issues. Oh, you're right-handed, but you brush your teeth with your left hand. That means you're going to have a midlife crisis. She's like, what? Yeah. I'm just, like, brushing my yeah. teeth, man. Leave me alone. Yeah. No, definitely. And, and, like, if you're in a group, right, like this, a focus group, and there's some sort of old food there... Um, there's some sort of old food there. They've been told they're going to bring some new food in there. Like, like I've often been at things where, oh, we'll go get, we get, we're getting some more stuff. It'll be here in 20 minutes. But the stuff never comes. <laughs> like, it's just sort of like, oh, oh, anything. Yeah, it's not going to come anyway. I might as well just have, just have the donut now. Like, and if there's some fresh ones to come later, I can have them as well and I get more donuts. Like, which is discussed in the movie. Jason Siegel gives sort of a good, Good rebuttal. I didn't know that donuts could tell so much, but I'm I'm not sure like how much it has taught me that because I sort of disagree. <laughs> um, notice you haven't had any of these stale donuts we've got here, Jonathan. <laughs> um, a little bit being a little careful not to. <laughs> I, I will still do a podcast with you, even if you have a stale donut, even if the listeners aren't able to hear it. You will uh, <laughs> continue to do the podcast with me as I eat. <laughs> You're really not a fan of eating on the podcast. Right? <laughs> People need to eat, man. I'm a professional, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's get to our screen verdicts for the five-year engagement.
I had reasonable expectations for this film. I wanted to like it. I like Jason Siegel and these Avatar-produced movies. I think it was funny. I liked Jason Siegel. Emily Blunt was quite good, and the, the side characters were funny. There were a few good honouring jokes, like the uh, grandparents running out of time, and mm. uh, I think the sort of cyclical nature of the script returning to how they first met. It was quite well-structured. I liked that. But overall, there wasn't enough in the film to interest me. There wasn't enough story. There was just their relationship over two hours, and it just went on a little long. And the individual scenes seemed to go on a little long and sort of lost the punchy element to the humour. So it was pretty watchable, but I was slightly disappointed. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, uh, look, this was uh, had some good elements, a good supporting cast, uh, Siegel and Blunt are good leads, but yeah, it just it dragged on so long. Uh, it, it didn't have a story that kept me interested. I was looking at my the time on my eye I thing like a lot. Like it, it just dragged on. There wasn't much story there. And again, it's like this problem I said I was ha- I have with some other um, Judd Apatow films. It is similar. There was a funny bit, and then like you wait twenty minutes for the next funny bit, and then you wait twenty minutes for the next funny bit, and and those bits can be quite funny, but you've got to wait a bit for them. It's not like there's a the laugh per minute is very low on this uh, movie. Um, I thought the ending was good. I got, you know you sort of have in your head how it's going to end. I think they, but you want to see how they do it. You know what I mean? You want to see. Like, you know something's happening, and it's not really whether it happens or not, it's what it will look like when it happens. And I thought they did that quite well. I thought that was quite fun at the end, how they brought it all together. Uh, it just would have been good if we'd seen that end scene about an hour earlier. <laughs> um, so I will give this movie a 6 out of 10. Now, the housekeeping segment is here. <laughs> That should be the tagline. Yeah. For the same like, like, housekeeping is here. Yeah. Now, we had a competition to win a collection of the Walking Dead comic books. Did we? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I believe you. Now, uh, we said this was the podcast where we'd announce the winner of that competition, so we should, no. probably, we should probably do that, because uh, we're, we're, we are nothing if not men of our words. <laughs> I think we decided on the winning submission. Um, there's a few issues that we might have with this, but we can we can bring it up. It's from Tom Connell. Tom Connell. Um, and here is his uh, strategy for surviving the zombie apocalypse. Do you want to read it, Jonathan? <laughs> uh, you'll see in a moment why Matt wants me to be the person to read it out on the podcast. Tom's strategy is, I would masturbate furiously in front of a mirror until my energy reserves were depleted. Four likes. Four people like that. Yeah, which is, uh, I think, one of the reasons why we're giving the win to it, (laughs) because it's got, because it seems to the... We've caved to the public demand. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we want people to have ownership of the podcast and things like that. I think there's two issues with this. Firstly, not really a survival strategy to deplete. Not sure how effective that would be. Yeah, I think, how is this, this seems like it could be a, a good strategy to go out with a bang... (laughs) <laughs> but not a good strategy to survive. Yeah. At the moment, Tom does not like us on Facebook, which was one of the requirements for the competition. 
Okay. So congratulations, Tom, you've won. I would say we will send the prize when he likes us on Facebook. Does that seem reasonable? Since that was the rules we laid out. That's, that seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. It was it was the rules and all it you have to do is we, we stick to click the a button, click a link yep. on a page and you get free comics sent to you. So Yeah, it it sounds like a pretty good deal. We'll see how that we'll see uh we'll see if Tom likes us on Facebook. Um, otherwise we might have to give the prize to someone else. So there's the podcast. Yes. Thanks for listening. I think in the next few weeks we could be doing parks and recreation podcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see. See you guys. Bye. Bye.